It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on this somewhat dreary-looking Saturday morning, but still... uh it's a weekend, so what's wrong with that? We got a uh, busy show planned for today. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit later to uh, Dr. Frank Dubois. He is the chairman of the Department of International Business at the American University in Washington D.C. They recently did a study about how what cars have what percentage of American content or something like that. He's a Ph.D., so he's probably way too smart for me to figure it out. But we'll be talking to him a little bit later. But right now. Uh, Somebody that I actually know and can talk to who's not a Ph.D., but he's a really bright guy. Craig Fitzgerald, he is the president of the New England Motor Press Association and editor at the uh, Best Ride Midnight Oil Auto Blog. Craig, good morning and welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. John, what's happening? Hey, you know, it's uh, Saturday. Um, I'm almost not working. You know, it's, this isn't really work, you know. So. You have to get up early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, the New England Motor Press had a big technology conference at MIT that, unfortunately, I couldn't make. But you were there, and I wanted to hear all about it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it, it's the fifth year that we've done it, and uh, MIT has just been fantastic. And we've put together a really, uh, you know, a great program every year that focuses on automotive technology and where things are headed. And the things that, that we were focused on this year were... Um, specifically around uh, electric vehicles or zero-emissions vehicles. And, you know, specifically for Massachusetts and, and three other New England states, we've signed on to a commitment um, that we will provide a, an atmosphere where electric vehicles can thrive. Um, the goal in Massachusetts originally was at some point or another we were going to get to 330,000 registered EVs in the state of Massachusetts, and we're currently at about... 1700. We're a little we short. Long, <laughs> we got a long way to go in a really short time because we were trying to get there by by 2025. And you know, the, the commitment for the state is, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna provide an environment here where um, an EV makes a lot of sense. And you know, what we tried to talk about a little bit is is whether or not we have actually provided that 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 atmosphere or not. Um, and I mean, I think the answer is, yeah, yeah, we've done a little bit, but, uh, you know, we still have a, an awful long way to go to make these things feasible for a lot of people. Yeah. Even, even the best EVs like the Tesla that has a, a fantastic range. My boss happens to have a Tesla S and his daughter lives up in New Hampshire and he can drive up to his daughter's house, but he ends up stopping at a Nissan dealership in Peabody to charge back up on the, before he can head back to Rhode Island. Right. I mean, and, you know, and you would you would most likely do that in a gas-powered car, too, but you've got to be sure that you have some kind of a, a, an infrastructure here to, to do that. And, and we have none. I mean, and, and you, know, the, the, you know, auto manufacturers are building these cars now in great numbers, or trying to build them in great mm. numbers, and, and they're all really nice cars. There's no sort of you know, well, I don't know if it's going to work kind of thing. They all work perfectly well. They're pleasant. They're enjoyable to drive. That's the missing link is that we don't have, you know, aside from your home, which is a great thing, you know, to be able to plug it in at home, there really isn't any kind of a network. And, mm -hmm. and the other thing that's interesting is manufacturers are building fuel cell cars now with no infrastructure, none. I mean, there's, there's one hydrogen refilling station in New Haven, if you happen to live in New Haven, or you want to drive there, you know, several times a week to, you know, yeah. to fill the, up. Yeah, the only problem is if you drive to New Haven, you don't have enough fuel to get back. Right, yeah. you can't get home. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of hovering around, you know, yeah. <laughs> you live out of your car, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, tell us about some of the guest speakers. There was a there was a great lineup of speakers. There was it was great. I mean, John Pazella from from the Global Automa Automakers was uh, he was the you know kind of the, the 
you know, uh, what am I trying to say? The um, the moderator for the whole thing, and he and he was he's terrific. He's he knows a lot, but he's at that really critical intersection between you know the automakers and um, policy people and uh, you know people from energy companies. Yeah. So. He was really, you know, the Global Automakers was really helpful in kind of pulling together a panel. So we had uh, Britta Gross from GM. We had uh, some folks from Toyota. We had um, um, a representative from Eversource, which which was key, I thought, because, you know, that was something that we wouldn't have, I don't know if we would have put together. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, we're going to talk about electric cars. Why don't we have someone from the electric company show up? Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense because uh, it's one of those things that, when and if electric cars really do take off, if we have these numbers that we hope to get at some point, you have to have the infrastructure in place because if all of a sudden, you know, you you buy an electric car, your neighbor buys an electric car, their neighbor buys an electric car, and you all go plug, plug in and charge at the same time and you can't sustain the power to do it, well, well that doesn't is, work either. This is if, if there was one thing that I learned at this conference, it was from Eversource. And that was exactly the same question that half a dozen people had. Well, what happens if everybody, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, sort of, you know, if, if, if EVs become popular and everybody plugs their car in, how are we going to manage this, you know, great, you know, shift from gasoline to electric power? And the answer to me, which was something I didn't know, was that it, it's not load that's an issue. It's the fluctuation in load that's an issue for, for the power company. So they have issues when all of a sudden there's great demand and then it drops off. So if they can balance load, meaning like overnight, mm -hmm. you, know, you charge in overnight, uh, you sort of smart charge and, you know, all the chargers for these, for these cars work this way now. They'll find the, you know, the optimum time for you to, to, to plug into the network. It's actually good for the electric company to have a way to manage that load over the course of the day. So if you can kind of manage it in in that way, it's actually pretty good for them. And, mm. and he, he, you know, he said, you know, counterintuitively, the more power we use on a, on a more consistent basis, what should happen is the price of power should come down for for you know most people, which is which is pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is because that doesn't seem to happen during summer air conditioner season no. or Christmas Christmas light season. I don't know. No, it doesn't. But yeah. you know, you think about it, and those plants are running. We have no, there is no power storage, right? So right. it's just either on or it's not. So so you know, if we had a you know that that's the next thing. You know, one of the things that we talked about a little bit is we've got. How many school buses do we have in the state that sit idle all, all summer long? You know, wouldn't it be cool to have those things, you know, attached to some kind of a network that act as batteries? Mm. You know, act as some kind of a storage system for solar power. Or, you know, it was very, it was a, it was a really interesting discussion. Um, but the, you know, the issue is, I think for us, uh, is still that people don't. They don't have an understanding of what an EV is all about. Yeah, um, they don't even really understand what a Volt's about. <laughs> yeah, know? well, that's well, that's true. But you you just brought up something that reminded me about power plants. I was actually out at a power plant out near your way uh, one day, uh, giving a talk to some of the people that work there, and I said to them, "What do you do?" And they said, "We wait until they tell us we need to make electricity." So yeah. I said, "So you know, there's 20 people sitting around, kind of." Watching gauges, but basically yep. you don't do anything until there's a demand, and then you go out and you turn the gas on, and it makes electricity. And they're like, "Yeah, pretty much." I'm like, "So it's not stored somewhere and ready to right. go?" And they're like, uh, "No, no." This is the biggest problem with with you know with any you know type of of power generation is that there is no storage, and that's what makes that's why you know gasoline is such. Uh, such an alluring prospect because mm. you can store it. You yeah. know, it takes big vats and stuff, but you can store it yeah. somewhere. So when you don't need it, you know, and then all of a sudden you do need it, you can you can run trucks out to get the to right. get the stuff. But yeah. with electricity, it just doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, it's like you know solar power in your house. I mean, there is some you know battery charging you know sort of you know storage system, but it's 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 not terribly large and not enough to store 
you know, enough power on the sunny days to run your house on the days that's cloudy. Yeah, most of those um, systems just feed the grid backwards right. so they make electricity, right. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you're right about electric cars. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a uh, Herb Chambers uh, Cars and Coffee event, and I had Herb on the program, and I talked to him about a lot of things, but the electric smart, which he admitted the smart car is a bit of a challenge, but the electric yep. car, they're practically giving the thing away when you when you uh, factor in the state rebates. Man, it, I mean, you think about the, the lease, and, and the, the deals that are going on right now, and if you would lease the lease in 2011, there's a $5,000 buyback for that right now mm. to, to get you to keep the car. Yeah. So you're getting a car that's, you know, four years old that you've taken care of with reasonable miles on it that doesn't burn any gas for 9000 bucks. Yeah. If you owe fifteen on it, you know, and if your payoff is fifteen on it, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 idea that we're getting things into people's hands for short money. I mean, I think I think you've driven the electric soul, right? Yeah. I mean that that thing is fantastic. It's it's as good as the gas car. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It re- and, and that was something car. they they actually gave that car some real thought, uh, yeah. putting in the the high capacity charging, and you know they they. They really looked at that car and said, we want to make this a real credible car, not just something we threw some batteries in to call it an right. electric. And usable for most people. You right. know, that, that was the, that's the other thing is that, I mean, I think, you know, I, as much as I, you know, I look at the electric smart and I look at the, the BMW i3, those are cars for hipsters and, and you know, like they're, they're just not practical for most people. Because, you know, you're going to have to pick up a kid on the way home or you're going to have to you know, go to the garden center or something. The Soul does all that stuff. It's just a regular car. Um, and, you know, the Soul with a gasoline engine works really well for what it does. And, yep. you know, I mean, I think that thing is immensely practical. Mm. Um, the other thing we talked a little bit about is why why we're going after, you know, early adopters and not talking to elderly people. <laughs> you know, yeah. they don't drive a lot. They're, they're sort of, they know what their, what their average you know, uh, distance driven every week is, I mean, be a perfect solution for somebody like my mom, yeah. uh, who's in her eighties and doesn't drive a lot. Anymore. No. And it's funny. Some people are like, well, I don't want to have to plug in my car every night, but on the other hand, think of all the stuff you plug in, you know, yeah, phones and like, toothbrushes yeah. and, you know, all kinds of electric stuff that you just got in the habit of plugging in on a yeah. regular basis. Um, how hard is it to reach over and grab a plug and plug your car in? Right, and, and not have to go to the gas station right. to fill the car yourself anymore, which yeah. is, you know, it's a pain in the neck. It, it, it is, and, and the idea that you can do it at home, uh, then there's a, there's a whole issue about tax and, and right. what, roads falling apart, but we'll leave that for discussion for another time. But <laughs> Yeah, we'll yeah. deal with that next year. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before we let you go, we also gave out a bunch of awards uh, at uh, later on that day at MIT, and uh, kind of touch on some of the winners. Sure. Um, the big winner, the official winter vehicle in New England, was the F-150 this year, uh, which, you know, 700 pounds lighter, twin turbocharged V6, uh, aluminum body. Uh, I happened to have it that first week, and we, we, really, we really got pounded uh, on that first snowstorm. And, boy, it, it was fantastic and, and really proved itself as a, as a you know, very capable winter vehicle. So we were happy to give that to uh to Ford this year, um, it, it breaks a five-year streak for, uh, or four-year streak, I guess, for the Jeep Grand Cherokee diesel. Uh, but it was it, it, the F-150 was just phenomenal. Um, but we, you know, we also try to, you know, select cars that we think are more, you know, for people who are looking for a value, for right. example. So we have a Yankee Value Award that we gave to uh, Mitsubishi Outlander, which is. I drove it last week. It's, it, you know, and, and had some time in it when we were doing the judging this winter, and it's it's surprisingly nice. And the 2016 just gets better. Yeah, um, it, our, it's our really station nice. truck is a Mitsubishi Outlander, and compared to the uh, to the uh, minivan they had before this, everyone likes to drive this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really. I was surprised, you know, and, and I think that, like a lot of people, you kind of forget that Mitsubishi builds cars, and, not, and then all of a sudden they. It's kind of made this little bit of a comeback, and and it's it's very interesting to see at a at a really good price point. You know, so if you're in the market for something like a you know whatever Rav4 or a CRV, it's it's definitely an option. Yeah. The other interesting thing we do is we we try to seek out some cars that are 
a little challenged in the winter and see how they do. So we, we had the Corvette up here with snow tires on it. We had a Porsche 911 Target up here with snow tires on it during the winter. And we got a good chance to drive those and, and, and see how cars that really aren't suited for the winter can do with a proper set of tires. Um, so, you know, we, we drove the Corvette for quite a bit, and it was it was fantastic. It was surprisingly nice in the snow. Yeah, I remember um, a couple of years ago we picked the uh, Porsche Boxster, and it yeah. had snow tires, rear-wheel drive car, and yep. uh, you gave it glowing reviews for a winter car. I did. I wrote it. I, I wrote about it in the Globe, and this one, the the, um, the Corvette, I shot a video for for Best Ride, and it was. I mean, no joke. It, it was it was a really nice car in in seven inches of snow. I mean, when, you know, look. Once you get to you know two feet of snow, you're going to want something else. But the the point is that you can purchase a car like this. And if you want to, you can really drive it all year long. Um, we do a pretty decent job at clearing roads these days. Uh, it's not like the 70s. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a feasible car in the snow, uh, you know, if, as long as you're not out in a blizzard. Yeah. No, absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk a little about you for a while. You mentioned Best Ride. What's that? Uh, so I've been at Best Ride for almost a year now, and uh, it's published by Gatehouse Media. We, we uh, have a blog at uh, bestride.com slash blog. Uh, we update, I don't know, five times a day usually. Uh, we do a lot on our Facebook uh, page. We do a lot on Twitter at My Best Ride. Um, yeah, and you do a, a little bit for us. That's always fun. Well, once once a week, I try to send you send you something, uh, some oddball question that comes to me during the week. So I figure your your blog's a great place to put it, and people know you from uh, the Boston Globe and formerly of Hemmings. Yeah, exactly. I was at Hemmings for eight years, and uh, I wrote for the Globe for a long time. I've been writing a lot of different places, so this is this is what I'm doing now, and it's it's great. Um, gives us a lot of freedom to do do a lot of fun stuff. So. Yeah. No, it really does, and uh, and uh, people people will see your stuff. I'm and I would normally be going to run into you this week at a New England Motor Press meeting, but I'm out in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, with the Ford AAA Auto Skills uh, National Competition, and I'm going to shoot you some photos of uh, the local teams, uh, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. That um, I'm out there, kind of uh, escorting around a little bit. So uh, we'll we'll let you know how they're doing uh, with uh, facing the other 47 states. I'm looking forward to that. I, I came from Shashin Tech when I was in, in high school, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the vocational programs that we do around here. So uh, I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, the, the local school from Massachusetts is Assabit. Uh, Paul Araldi yeah. and, and the two students from there um, are heading out, heading out there tomorrow, and uh, the competition will take place Monday and Tuesday, and we'll keep you up to date. Yeah, definitely. We'll retweet those, and, and best of luck to the teams from Massachusetts. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Craig, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and uh, joining us uh, back over here. Always a blast, John. Thanks. All right. Take care, Craig. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Craig Fitzgerald. He is the editor of Best Ride, and you can check out his uh, his stuff and certainly check out the Midnight Oil Auto blog off of Best Ride, and uh, you'll even see a little piece from me in there once in a while. We need to take a break, pay some bills. When we come back, we'll be talking to uh, Dr. Frank Dubois. He is the chairman of uh, International Business at the American University in Washington. We'll be right back. Pat Ryan, General Manager of WEZE and WROL. And I don't do this often, but I'm here to give a testimony for Kevin Michaud and all the fine folks up at Michaud Mitsubishi and Danvers. You see, I personally bought a Mitsubishi Outlander from them for our radio stations. Maybe you've seen it around. It's all painted up beautifully with our logos for both WEZE and WROL, and it's just as beautiful inside with all the bells and whistles from a great GPS, heated seats, terrific four-wheel drive to navigate comfortably and safely through all kinds of New England weather. But beyond all that, Kevin Misho, his son Zach, and all the fine folks at Misho Mishibishi are the real honest-to-goodness deal. What you hear from them on our airwaves is just how they are when you visit, giving first-hand personal and caring service. They are located at 80 Andover Street, Route 114 in Danvers, or you can check them out at MishoMishibishi.com. Salt of the Earth, folks. Contact our good friends at Misho Mishibishi. 
Danvers Auto Engineering, the dealer alternative, is the expert automotive service center specializing in mechanical service and repair. AAA approved and ASE certified, Danvers Auto Engineering has the knowledge and skills to repair your vehicle correctly. Danvers Auto Engineering works hard to deliver total customer satisfaction. Look no further than Danvers Auto Engineering located at 151 Andover Street, Route 114 in Danvers. View all their services on the web at danversauto.com. danversauto.com. When it comes to your car, AAA is the place for everything automotive. From buying a car to taking care of your vehicle on the road, AAA is the expert you can rely on and trust. If you're researching and buying a new or used vehicle, the AAA Auto Buying Program is a great tool. AAA members receive guaranteed pricing on new and used vehicles and save an average of $3,000 on new cars. When it comes to financing your purchase, look to AAA for competitive low rates. Once your vehicle's on the road, AAA Auto Insurance protects you in the event of a crash with Excellent coverage and competitive rates. You can even purchase an extended warranty that will help cover you if your vehicle is in need of repair. For repairs or maintenance for your vehicle, AAA has an extensive network of approved auto repair facilities. If your windshield gets damaged, AAA Auto Glass can repair or replacement. And when you really need help on the road, AAA Roadside Assistance is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whether you need a flat tire changed, a dead battery jumped, or a tow. So for everything and anything automotive, go to AAA.com slash everything auto. Now, let's get back to the car doctor, John Paul. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Remember, you can always listen to us online at WROLradio.com, or you can find past programs on iTunes or uh, Podomatic. If you do johnfpaul.podomatic.com or Stitcher or uh, there's a bunch. Just, you can just Google it, and you'll find it all. Uh, I saw an interesting report that came out, and it was from the American University in Washington, D.C., and with us on the phone is Dr. Frank Dubois, and he is the chairman of Department of International Business. And Frank, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program. Good morning, John. Thank you for having me. And uh, tell us a little. You you folks just came out with this report. What's what's the essence of it? Well, well, John, we um, have looked. At, we've done this report for the last three years. If you go to our website, you can take a look at uh, 2013, 2014, 2015 results, and essentially. What we're trying to do or what we're trying to get at is a more accurate representation of the country of origin of the cars that we buy here in the United States. Um, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration puts out some data with respect to the percentage value of uh, American content or mm-hmm. North American content because they use Canada in their calculations. And we wanted to try to refine this a little bit more because it doesn't take a, a number of uh, what I think are important things into account, such as the headquarters of the country that's produce uh, the headquarters of the company that's producing the car, uh, where the R and D's uh, taking place, where the engines made, where transmissions made, where assemblies taking place, and so forth. So it's one of those things that sometimes you say, well, well, that's uh, a car made in America, but in fact, it's a car that may be assembled but all the pieces get made someplace else. That's correct. That's correct. And you see a lot of variation in the cars that are uh, actually made here, assembled here, uh, with respect to the engines might come from someplace else, the transmissions might come from someplace else. Yeah, and in fact, not, I, yeah. I got an email from a reader uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were, they were trying to buy the... They were trying to buy a small SUV, kind of a kind of that small to mid-sized uh, category, but they were trying to buy the most American car they could buy. And right. I started to do some research and found it a bit of a challenge to figure out what that was. Right, right. Well, if you go, uh, you know, if you know what the what the car is or what the uh, category of the car, you can take a look at our website and you can. Uh, you can narrow that down. You can search on the basis of the vehicle, the vehicle manufacturer, and you can get a better representation of, of how American a car is. Uh, again, the, the American Automotive Labeling Act, if you look at a new car, you're going to see a label, and it's going to have the percentage of U.S. and, US and Canadian content. It's going to tell you where the transmission came from, the engine came from, uh, where the 
final assembly point was, but we try to go beyond that and take take a few more things into account there, which I think are really uh, a bit more relevant uh, from the perspective of, of what you are contributing to the U.S. economy overall. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good point. When you think about... You know, if just if the car is made in, I don't pick a pick a state. You know, South Carolina, and uh, does the does the the production and the everything that goes into that, where does the money end up? Does it end up in South Carolina, the United States, or does it end up, you know, uh, back in Asia well, somewhere? Right, right. I mean, it depends. I mean, if you're if you're talking South Carolina, you're talking BMW, and you're talking BMW sport utility vehicles being made there, so. You know, who where's the headquarters for BMW? Well, you know, we all know it's Germany. Um, uh, much of the research and development for that car is going to be done in Germany. Uh, a lot of the parts and components for that car get shipped from Germany to the factory in, uh, in upstate South Carolina there. Uh, so it's not going to have as much of an impact to say, a sport utility vehicle manufacturer uh, headquartered in the United States mm. or General Motors. Yeah. Uh, well, with, with manufacturing in Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, or someplace like that. Well, we just we just had a, 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 the president of the New England Motor Press Association on uh, just prior to you, and we were talking about the vehicle that won the official Winter Vehicle of New England Award. It was the uh, Ford F-150 pickup truck with the EcoBoost engine in it, the 2015. Uh, how American is that American truck? Uh, that's a pretty American truck. Uh, last year, uh, that truck would have been number one. Uh, this year, it dropped a little bit because the, uh, the North American content dropped. Uh, last year, it had, um, I think it was something like an 87.5 on my index. It was, it was ranked in the number one category. Uh, this year, it's dropped down to number three, and that's mainly because the amount of North American content dropped by by ten point by ten percent, mm. it's, it's it went from seventy five percent down to ten percent, uh, and I you know I suspect that's due to uh, more content coming from outside the U S. Probably uh, Mexico. They also switched over to this all aluminum body, and uh, I don't know to, to what extent. And, and that's one of the things is that you really got to tear these vehicles apart, and you know almost look at every little part and component to, to get a to get a true measure. I mean, my measure is not perfect. No measure is perfect unless you did a complete teardown of the vehicle and, and trace the part back to the source of production and so forth. And that's, that's just, you know, I've got over 300 vehicles on this, and, mm. uh, and, and I don't think, you know, strategically the automakers are going to let me uh, walk into their uh, cost accounting department. <laughs> yeah, and probably not. Tearing, you know, look, look at the accounting numbers, and I really don't have time to do that. <laughs> Well, let's, uh, you know, when, when you, when you kind of look at all of this and, and you think about, you know, I want to buy, uh, I want to buy a high quality Japanese made car, like a Toyota Camry. Is it really mm -hmm. a Japanese car? Is it an American car? Is it some hybrid combination of both? What is it? Well, I, I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah, it's made in the U S. Uh, most of the components, parts and components are made in the U S the Camry ranks, uh, fairly high. I think it's uh, number nine in my index. Uh, yeah, it's number nine in my index. It's got, according to the American Automotive Labeling Act, it's got 75% uh, North American content. Now, that North American content in includes the U.S. and Canada. So, you know, I you know I love my Canadian neighbors, but I try to pull out the Canadian content of the vehicle yep. to get a more accurate, accurate representation of, of U.S. content. Uh, what I think we're starting to see is more, and, you know, this is the, the numbers, show this, that uh, more and more content starting to come from Mexico, uh, probably, you know, mainly because of cost considerations, mm. exchange rate considerations, and so forth. But, uh, yeah, the Camry, you know, at the end of the day, Camry profits wind up going back to uh, the ownership back in Japan. Mm. But, you know, they create a lot, a ton of jobs here. In yeah. Mexico. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. I mean, I, I drive foreign-made vehicles. Uh, I drive American Yeah. Uh, was, now you've been doing you've been doing this for like you said for a few years. Were there any surprises that even when you started to do this, you're like, "Wow, I didn't." You know, it was surprising that you know one car or another either caught you by surprise that it was uh, vastly a lot more domestic content or uh, something that you thought was. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I well, I'll, I'll use an example. Uh, 
the Ford Fusion a few years back got the, I think it was the Family Car, American Family Car of the Year Award, and it was uh, pretty much entirely made in Mexico with parts produced there. Right, right, yeah, correct. Um, now, you know, I, what's interesting to me is when I used to be a car mechanic, and I used to, you know, we get parts and components from all over the world, and I, I love look at the, looking at the at the made-in label, you know, where the country of origin of the parts. And, I, and what's interesting is if you go into the American Automotive Labeling Act data, you can go to the NHTSA website and get this, and you can find out where the transmission, the engine came from, uh, where the point of final assembly was, without having to go to the dealership and actually look at the label on the car. And it, you know, it's, uh, you know, you see, depending on the car, the transmission might might even be coming from China. Mm. Uh, some of the uh, manual transmissions. You know, we don't we don't use manual transmissions anymore here in the United States, and so a lot of that that uh, manual transmission production's moved offshore, back where people are still using manual transmissions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, you know, look at the Ford Transit Connect. Uh, that that's kind of a, a fascinating. It's a little you know uh, utility vehicle that you see a lot of your uh, uh, um, tradespeople running around with, and uh, you know it's, it's got an American motor and a French transmission. And it's made in Spain. It's yeah. assembled in Spain. Yeah. I, I think that's fascinating, all these parts and components moving around the world to get the vehicle on the road here in the United States. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm what, not sure whether it's... Me. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it's still the case, but I think with the the Transit Connect, that was one of those vehicles, they, they shipped it with seats in it to call it a passenger car, then threw the seats oh, away yeah, when they yeah, got yeah. here and called it yeah, a van yeah. because of the old-time chicken yeah. tax. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's either a truck or a car, and if you do some things to it, it can become a car, or, and you can get around some uh, trade constraints that right. come in with a lower tariff, or, you know, but then that counts against your import quota if you're coming from Japan, and yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of uh, interesting little uh, financial engineering and, and tariff engineering things that yeah. companies can do here. Well, I guess this all begs the question, what is the most American car you can buy? Well, the most American car, according to my list, there's um, they're all General Motors cars. Um, there was what do I have here? Six General Motors car: Buick Enclave, Cadillac CD, CTS, Chevy Corvette, Chevy Transverse, Tra Chevrolet Traverse, GMC Acadia, the Acadia Denali. Mm. Those are the the, the yep. uh, six most most yep. American cars. And, and the General Motors cars profits stay here in the United yep. States. They're you know mainly made in the United States. Uh, they've got 75% uh, um, domestic content, according to the AALA, American Automotive Labeling Act. Uh, you can take a look. Your your listeners can go to American.edu slash COGOD slash auto index uh, to take a look at uh, the data that we've got here. So it's, it's, Ameri it's American.edu slash KOGOD uh, slash auto index. Correct. And they can find now, all that Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, that'll give you the last three years, so people that, you know, 2013 cars are coming off lease right now, yep. so it's a lot of used cars out there right now, so you know, people can get an idea. If, if they're using that as, as one of their uh, um, decision factors and what, which kind yep. of car to buy. And, and, what, and what is the kind of the, uh, and sort of a popular car, but what's the most popular vehicle we see here in the United States that, that has almost no content or something that you would think or something that... Uh, you, uh, country of origin, you would think, has a lot of content, but in fact, it's here in the United States, and it's, uh, I, I, well, I'll use an example, uh, Volkswagen, it's essentially completely made in Mexico. Right, there, right. Some of them are, but then the, the Passats are yep. made in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, that's a good question. I hadn't really considered that yep. very closely. I mean, I, you, you talked about the Ford Fusion uh, you talk about some of the American brands that are are made offshore uh, and imported to the United States. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, the consumer, you know, you, you need to look at the label. Now, now, one of the other problems you have with actually, if you really want to be accurate, look at the VIN number mm. and take that VIN number and then trace it back to the country of origin of the vehicle because the VIN number is going to tell you exactly where the, where the car was was where the final assembly yeah. for the car was. Now, this is this is interesting stuff, and I'm somebody who just sort of thinks about, you know, I buy kind of what I like, and that's about it. But there are people that certainly look at this and say, I want to buy a car that is, you know, the most American car I can buy or the most Canadian car I can buy. Or, the, you know, or mm -hmm. I want to buy, you know, I, I think uh, German 
you know, German car companies are well, you know, they build a well-engineered product, but I want to make sure that it is, in fact, a German car that has a lot of German content in it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. No, this exactly. is... And, uh, and, 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 you know, some, some people are going to say, I don't want any American content. Yeah, you never, uh, you never know. You know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all, uh, you know, little, little factoids that people can use in, in making their purchase decisions. Uh, and there's plenty of cars with zero American content here uh, uh, on our shores, yep. uh, but you know, 65 percent of the cars sold here in the United States are made here in the U.S. So mm. That's a significant economic footprint yep. for our economy. No, absolutely is. Hey, Frank, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning. Again, the website is American.edu/kogod/autoindex, and people can find out more information about this and uh, uh, learn a little bit. I know I did. Okay. Well, hey, thank you. Thanks, thanks for Frank. having me, John. All right. It. Take care. Right. Bye-bye now. Take care. Bye. We need to take another break. You're listening to Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Uh, phone lines are open right now. Bill, stay right there. We'll be with you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we have a couple lines open if you want to join us at 617-770-3030. And remember, next week, we're starting at 830 and going until 10 o'clock. So 90 minutes of the Car Doctor Program. Yippee. <laughs> we'll be right back. celebrating the anniversary of two great brands. It's Sullivan Tires 60th and General Tires 100th. So just in time for the summer driving season, Sullivan Tires putting all General Tires on sale. Get $60 off instantly when you buy any four General Tires. Save on quality road-gripping General Tires including the Grabber HTs, the Ultimax RT43 and the G-Max ASO3. No matter what you drive, there's a General Tire for you. And all are on sale right now at Sullivan Tire. Thank you, New England, for 60 great years. See SullivanTire.com for details. When it comes to your car, AAA is the place for everything automotive. From buying a car to taking care of your vehicle on the road, AAA is the expert you can rely on and trust. If you're researching and buying a new or used vehicle, the AAA auto buying program is a great tool. AAA members receive guaranteed pricing on new and used vehicles and save an average of $3,000 on new cars. When it comes to financing your purchase, look to AAA for competitive low rates. Once your vehicle's on the road, AAA auto insurance protects you in the event of a crash with Excellent coverage and competitive rates. You can even purchase an extended warranty that will help cover you if your vehicle is in need of repair. For repairs or maintenance for your vehicle, AAA has an extensive network of approved auto repair facilities. If your windshield gets damaged, AAA Auto Glass can repair or replace it. And when you really need help on the road, AAA Roadside Assistance is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whether you need a flat tire changed, a dead battery jumped, or a tow. So for everything and anything automotive, go to AAA.com slash everything auto. But there ain't no cure for the summertime. Hey, has this ever happened to you? You're in a parking lot and you're walking along and you just can't remember exactly where you parked your car. Oh, but great. You can just sound your horn with your key fob. Unless, of course, that battery in that key fob is weak. So you can stop by our Interstate All Battery Center in Woburn and we'll replace your key fob battery free with any purchase. Find us fast at interstatebatteries.com in Woburn. And remember, always choose outrageously dependable interstate batteries. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. If you would like to join us, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Bill. Hello, Bill. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? Good, and you? Okay, thanks. Can you tell me why Sat the Saturn company went out of business? I thought they made great cars. They made pretty good cars. They made. They didn't make any money. Is that why they Yeah, and the other thing is they got a little confused. The first Saturn cars were um, really Saturn cars. They were they were a plastic-bodied uh, car that had a pretty dependable, although a little bit noisy, engine in it. The cars required very little maintenance. Um, they they were they were pretty basic in their own way. 
Uh, all of them were pretty similar, even though there was a two-door and a four-door and a little wagon, but they're all pretty similar. Then what happened was, rather than redevelop the Saturn brand and continue to develop it, they, uh, General Motors said, we're going to stop with this whole Saturn thing. We're going to start importing Opals from Germany. We're going to pry off the Opal badge, and then we're going we're gonna to call it a Saturn. Oh. Well, that was okay, and some of those Opals were pretty good, and some of them weren't. And the problem is, to bring that General Motors slash Opal Saturn to the United States got expensive, so they sort of priced themselves out of the market. So when you kind of looked at um, whether it was anything like the Saturn had the uh, View Sport Utility Vehicle, wasn't a bad little sport utility vehicle, and they had the they had the little sports car, which was also the same as the Pontiac Solstice, uh, nice little, but it was actually an Opal. So what happened when Saturn stopped building it? They stopped selling Pontiac Solstice, and they stopped selling the Opal. So it was it was a company that. Uh, when it first started off, it had some promise because Saturn was going to do everything different. They were going to, uh, there was going to be no price negotiation. Here's the price of the car. It was all going to be pretty easy. Uh, they gave you, when you bought the car, you, they had a little party for you when you came to pick the car up. They would, uh, you know, go around. They'd give you a box of candy. It was a whole event. In fact, even when Saturn had a big recall on the, uh, uh, there was a, a cable that went down to the starter, what they did is they opened up their dealership on Saturdays and Sundays, and they had a barbecue at the dealership. So you came in, they had all these, they trained extra people to do this recall because it wasn't that complicated. And at the same time, you could have a hot dog and a hamburger, and uh, it was a little party atmosphere that went on. So they tried to make it fun. The problem is they didn't make any money. Okay. So that's the answer. Thank you, John. Okay. Paul. All right. Take care, Bill. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I drove a car this week, and I was I was talking about it. I was down at the uh, Sandwich Hollow Golf Course yesterday. Yesterday, uh, not golfing. I was talking to a group of uh, uh, a, f- a group of folks that were there. It was a, a men's club. They meet socially every week at the uh, mostly at that golf course. I was telling them about a car that I drove this past week, and it was a Ford Focus, and it was the most. Um, had more technology in it than any Focus I'd ever seen. In fact, it had probably more technology in it than most cars on the road today. It had blind spot monitors, but it would actually park itself. And it was it was um, it was a it was a pretty interesting car. Uh, they don't give it away. It had a list price of about twenty seven thousand dollars, but it had every bit of technology in it you could imagine. The only two things that seemed to be missing were um, a sunroof, which I was a little surprised, and. That was about it. It had, it had cooled seats. It had heated seats, but they didn't cool. But it had backup monitors, had lane corrections. So, in other words, if you drifted out of the lane, it didn't just tell you about it, but also brought you back into the lane at the same time. So, it was a, it was a pretty interesting vehicle. and uh, One that was, uh, I don't know that I would spend that much on it with that many options in it, but certainly something to, to uh, consider if you were going to look at a car. A couple things coming up. Uh, in next weekend, I believe, at uh, there's going to be another Cars and Coffee event down at uh, Herb Chambers' Lexus dealer in Sharon, and you can check that out. That usually runs from 7 a.m. till about 10, and I believe uh, Herb is going to have another one of his exotic cars on display. So that's worth taking a look at. And next week as well is the 18th annual open house event at the Factory 5 uh, shop down in Wareham. So if you want to go down and, uh, and see that, uh, that's, that's always a good event. Tons and tons of Factory 5s there, and uh, Dave Smith will be there too. Uh, Thursday, this Thursday, the 11th, uh, Dave will uh, be at Gillette Stadium over at, the, over at the big car show over where Gillette is in front of the uh, Bass out, uh, Outlet shops. He always has a couple of cars on display there. And, of course... July 12th, the Bay State Antique Auto Club's car show is going to be coming up at the Endicott Estate. And there's, uh, that's, that's always a good show. There's hundreds and hundreds of cars there. I always promise to go, and I never do. But one of these days I will. And next week for guests, next week for guests, we will have uh, 
we'll have uh, Kurt, the battery guy, Kurt, the interstate battery guy, on at 8.30. And uh, I, I wasn't aware that he sold all these other batteries, like the battery for your remote and uh, battery for flashlights, uh, rechargeable flashlights, uh, watch batteries, all kinds of stuff. He, he has all that stuff as, long, as well as car batteries. And then at 9 o'clock, we will be talking to Bob Tasca, and uh, uh, NHRA is taking place up at Epping. So uh, the third annual NHRA New England Nationals would be taking place June 12th through the 14th. So that's going to be taking place up at Epping. So if you've never seen drag racing and you want to go meet the likes of uh, Bob Tasca, John Force, Courtney Force, um, all kinds of the people that you see uh, in that top five or six drag racers, they will be up there. And so there will be a lot of stuff up there to, to look at as well. So that will be, that'll be an interesting event. And I, I want to talk to Bob about uh, he has a new sponsor this year. He is sponsored by a variety of different companies and not Ford this year because Ford actually pulled out of drag racing. So, uh, so that's uh, something to talk about. And also, you, you might say, I haven't heard Marita's voice today. How come? Well, because it's her birthday. So she took her birthday off. And uh, also, speaking of birthdays, if you happen to see Bob Elliott, and if you know who Bob Elliott is, if you happen to see Bob Elliott, wish him a happy birthday. He turns 60 today, tomorrow. Turns 60 tomorrow. So if you happen to see Bob Elliott, say happy 60th birthday to him. Why don't we take another break? And when we come back, if you would like to join us, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Are you looking for the best deal on tires? You can trust Danvers Auto Engineering to deliver. From brand names at the best price to tire services to back up your new tire purchase. At Danvers Auto Engineering, we take great care to deliver complete customer satisfaction. Ready to shop for tires? Check out our online tire catalog and get instant pricing on our website. Go to DanversAuto.com. That's DanversAuto.com. You can trust Danvers Auto Engineering to deliver. When it comes to your car, AAA is the place for everything automotive. From buying a car to taking care of your vehicle on the road, AAA is the expert you can rely on and trust. If you're researching and buying a new or used vehicle, the AAA auto buying program is a great tool. AAA members receive guaranteed pricing on new and used vehicles and save an average of $3,000 on new cars. When it comes to financing your purchase, look to AAA for competitive low rates. Once your vehicle's on the road, AAA auto insurance protects you in the event of a crash with extra Excellent coverage and competitive rates. You can even purchase an extended warranty that will help cover you if your vehicle is in need of repair. For repairs or maintenance for your vehicle, AAA has an extensive network of approved auto repair facilities. If your windshield gets damaged, AAA Auto Glass can repair or replace it. And when you really need help on the road, AAA Roadside Assistance is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whether you need a flat tire changed, a dead battery jumped, or a tow. So for everything and anything automotive, go to AAA.com slash everything auto. We're celebrating the anniversary of two great brands. It's Sullivan Tires 60th and General Tires 100th. So just in time for the summer driving season, Sullivan Tires putting all General Tires on sale. Get $60 off instantly when you buy any four General Tires. Save on quality road-gripping General Tires, including the Grabber HTs, the Ultimax RT43, and the G-Max ASO3. No matter what you drive, there's a General Tire for you. And all are on sale right now at Sullivan Tire. Thank you, New England, for 60 great years. See SullivanTire.com for details. Now, let's get back to the car doctor, John Paul. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. We have about 10 minutes left, and we still have some time if you'd like to join us at 617 617- 770-3030-617-770-3030. Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us and say hello to Kelly. Kelly's filling in today, uh, doing a fabulous job. The uh, I was just looking, the car that Herb Chambers is going to bring to his dealership next week will be a 1972 Ferrari 365 GTB 4 
Daytona Spider. This is the car, when he was on the show a month or so ago, this is the car he said he, I, he owned it, he sold it, and he bought it back, and it had some weird stuff done to it, so he had it all restored back to that original condition. So, uh, pretty, pretty interesting car and a lot of work. I got a email from somebody I gave uh, 200 mile an hour wax to, uh, who, uh, who joined us, and he said, uh, and he happened to have a Porsche 911, and he, he's, he sent me a picture back and a note, and he says, Hi, John, love the 200 mile an hour wax. Thanks again, Jeff. So, uh, glad your Porsche looks so shiny. Uh, some uh, I- interesting news, Ford Motor Company's joining Tesla Motors and Toyota Motor Corporation in a strategy of letting competitors use the patented technology to accelerate development of electric drive vehicles. This is a little bit of uh, what Craig was saying earlier. If there is, you know, if the uh, idea is you're going to sell so many electric vehicles within the state and vehicle manufacturers are sort of stumbling around with bad ideas, why don't you take the ones that actually work? So Ford will open up hundreds of patents on electric vehicle technology, uh, unlike Tesla and Toyota, it will license its patents for fee, the company said, so not free. But Kevin Layden, director of Ford Electrification Program, said in a statement that by sharing our research with other companies, it will accelerate the growth of electrified vehicles. Ford said it has more than 650 patents and about 1,000 pending patent applications related to hybrid and plug-in vehicles. Among the patents Ford is making available are the ones covering a method for extending battery runtime and overall life a technology to minimize the amount of energy recaptured through regenerative braking and a system that provides feedback to drivers on how to improve fuel economy. Ford said its patent can be obtained through its uh, technology commercialization and licensing office. So uh, it just gives it gives other car companies a chance. And uh, it's amazing what you can do with, a, with um, a little bit of work, the little Ford Focus that I drove. It actually had a little monitor that said how you were doing, and apparently... I actually know how to drive economically. So I got good gas mileage. I got a little green leaf that said I was doing good. The J.D. Power Company is um, is actually buying the NADA used car guidebook. And this is, uh, this is interesting news. Uh, considering um, J.D. Power started off literally on Jim Power's kitchen table with him and his wife doing surveys about car buying. And he would, it's, I think he said when, he, when I had him on the program, he started off by sending people a postcard and asked them to fill out how their car buying experience was and had a nickel tape to it. And the idea was you got to keep the nickel and then you mailed it back and then he was up to a dollar and I think then he was up to five dollars. But he actually, but that's, it actually started as a kitchen table business. And uh, took off from there. But the American Automotive uh, Institution that's uh, older than Jeep is getting a new owner. The National Automobile Dealers Association has agreed to sell its 82-year-old used car guide business to J.D. Power & Associates. J.D. Power & Associates declined to release any financial details. There's no surprise. But uh, conceding that it's still kind of early in the process... um, the uh, U.S. automotive operations of J.D. Power, now in Orange, California, said the new owners plan on continuing to grow their base business. Uh, the used car guide will continue, and as the market itself grows, we'll be able to develop new and unique information solutions for the industry. NADA used car guide provides a retail, loan, trade-in, and auction used vehicle values. The name and brand uh, of our logo, we're going to use that for the foreseeable future. It's a great brand. That's that when I think about getting used car prices, that's where I usually head first is nadaguides.com or the old gold book which was always a great book, a little pocket book had the it was updated every couple of weeks and it always had the latest auction prices and it's just a, a good way to look and had a long history. NADA used car guide had its origins in 1922. Couldn't have been a lot of used cars then. Uh, five years after dealers formed the NADA, when the association began studying used car values at the U.S. government's request in 1933, the U.S. government determined that existing used car guides were biased and asked NADA to publish a used car guide. That's how it all started, way back then. So this day in history, that's how it worked. Speaking of this day in history, is Paul Sullivan. 
Are you wearing a sport coat? You know my motto, right? If you can't be a good sport, at least wear a good sport coat. Sport coat? Where are you going? I thought this was face the nation. No, no, I don't think so. No, it's graduation today. Oh, all right. Ah, okay. So, what's what time's that kickoff? Uh, One p.m. You're sure going to run a little short? Is it? Uh, maybe Matt will get here early. <laughs> if not, I will be a little late. One way or the other, it'll work. One way or the other, is going to work out. Yep. So what do you have planned this uh, weekend for the Irish at Parade? Um, Good I Irish music? Yeah, no. Great Irish Great music. Great Irish music? Yes. The best I can find. And you do a phenomenal job of finding it. So. Thank you. That's yeah. very nice of you to say that. Yeah, well, you know, that's... that's I'm the Irish music doctor. Um, no, because I only... Like you, when you first started with... Uh, uh, no, I mean, Irish, this way, yeah. yeah, playing Irish music, I, I, I only know... Two, maybe three songs. Yeah, so, exactly. I knew two and yeah. a half. Two and a half. Yeah, yeah when Irish Eyes Are Smiling, Danny Boy, and half a Tora Laura Laura. Oh. I knew the Tora Laura Laura part. Just that part? Yeah. yeah. I guess that part. After that got a little bit vague. Yeah. yeah so. Now I know literally thousands, mm-hmm. and I was told I was a world-class expert on um, traditional Irish music at one point in time. So you, you can grow into your role. You can. I, I guess you it's, can. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the lesson to be learned. Yeah. Have you been keeping up so you still continue to be the world-class expert? Well, the good thing about traditional music is it doesn't change. So once you've got it, you've got it. Yeah, but as you get older, doesn't don't more music and musicians fall into that traditional category? Yes. Yeah. In the same way that one becomes an antique after 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. What do you become at my age? You know, you mean at our age. You know that milestone that you passed a couple weeks yeah, ago? Yeah. Mine's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 happy early birthday to you as well. What a, a, well, thank you very much. Yeah, well. Sullivan yeah. yeah. Tire's 60 and yeah, so are we. I know, yeah. yeah. Are we having a tire sale? Or uh, they are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul's having, um, I'm tired. I'm sale, tired. But sale. Sullivan Tire's having a big 60th anniversary tire sale. Right. When they just, I, you know, that's and something. general tires, a hundred years old. Yeah. Too, so they're yeah. kind of combining those two. Yeah. That's something, you know. That's something. Now I don't have to do the first Sullivan Tire spot. Thank you. <laughs> I, I should probably give somebody a Sullivan Tire call. Really talk about their 60th anniversary and how they started at Mrs. Washburn's Garage mm-hmm. on VFW Drive in Rockland. Yeah. And Not to was, bore anybody with repetitive stories, but when we were back at the old um, station on Stewart Street, you know, back in the days before cell phones, yep. before computers. Um, I can remember taking a call from Bob Sullivan mm-hmm. on Saturday morning, getting ready for John Latchford's show, and he literally said, Hey, Paul, how did the Red Sox do last night? We'd, we'd talk a little bit about that. Yep. And he would read to me the script that he wanted for the commercial, and mm-hmm. I would write it down yep. it, with a pencil yep. on yep. paper, yep. and then go in and you know record the commercial, which was different then because it was reel-to-reel tape. Yep. Yep. I made a mistake, which I used to do a lot. I don't do so much anymore. Well, I still do. Anyway, it's more forgiving with the digital yeah. world yeah. than it was back then. So I, I have fun. Bob Sullivan, great guy. And, of course, Paul. So you, you've yeah. known Paul yeah. a long time. Yeah. You know, did you, Bob, Bob Sullivan's nickname was The Chef. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he always had something cooking. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But yeah. that's, they, they used to do a, a little employee newsletter. Probably too big to do it now, but it was called The Chef's Gazette. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was what uh, you know, what Mr. Sullivan had on his mind at what the time, yeah. and uh, it doesn't surprise me that he would call up and say, "Hey, how the Red Sox go?" And by the way, we want to talk about uh, Unirail tires today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, doesn't surprise Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And um, you know, after that, he would invite us to do uh, remote broadcasts at, at the tire location. Mm-hmm. He want a secret, and he knew it, and I learned it. N- nobody will go to see a radio guy at a tire store unless they need work on their tires. So, I, you know, nobody would come. Yeah. I'd say, Bob, and then later, Paul. Yeah. No one's here. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, he'd say, no, 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 no. Do you know how many, many times you've mentioned Sullivan Tire in the last 15 minutes? When they need us, they'll, they'll come. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. I thought that was very smart, very shrewd, very very intelligent, and that's why he's more successful <laughs> than I will ever that's, be. That's why he has, like, 60 locations and warehouses exactly. all. And I, a great guy. Yeah, one of yeah, the best. Yeah. I, I, I tell you about the time that, um, you know, Paul Sullivan, the radio... Um, Paul Sullivan, yep. who has passed. Um, but w- one afternoon, I got a call from him, from Paul Sullivan at, at uh, WBZ. Yep. And he says, is this Paul Sullivan? I said, yes. He said, so is this. 
He said, I'm doing a show of all Paul Sullivan's. I'm inviting every Paul Sullivan I can think of who has yeah. some notoriety. Yeah. You want to come? And I, 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 yes. I sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there with, with Paul, obviously, yeah. but then Paul Sullivan from Sullivan Tire came. Paul Sullivan used to write for the Herald. The Paul yeah. Sullivan yeah. was there. It was just a great hour. It yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. Called each other Sully all hour. I bet. Well, Sully. Well, Sully. Uh, what do you think, Sully? Yeah. I need to go because it's 10 o'clock, which means it's time for the other Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hip Parade. Well, I'm uh, one of the Paul one Sullivan. of one of the Paul Sullivans right. in the Irish. Hey, you're, you're expanding next week. I am starting starting. I got to get up. Uh, well, no, where are you? Get here. Get I get here at eight o'clock. Yeah, exactly. anyway, so yeah. it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> you just be in a different yeah. spot inside the yeah. building. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But yeah, starting at eight thirty next week. Uh, we're going to run eight thirty to ten. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Kirk, the battery guy, at eight thirty, and at nine o'clock, Bob Sullivan. Bob Sullivan. You're Bob Tasca. Uh, and uh, Bob Sullivan's not coming. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. He's not coming. Uh, He's not walking through yeah, that door. Yeah, but until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, set your alarm clock a half hour earlier. See you all next week. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you.